Welcome to Changing Your Dreams, Parenting a Child with Special Needs, a podcast where we shine a light on the unique grief of special needs parents that few people recognize and no one really talks about. I'm your host, Laura Kitts. How do we live a beautiful life with chronic stress and grief? How do we nurture ourselves while we nurture our children? How do we make ourselves a priority when they need so much? My guests and I will discuss this chronic, ever-renewing grief, transforming your dreams, and how to take care of yourself along the way when parenting a differently abled child. This episode is sponsored by Flight Club. Join a circle of friends who understand you and your life as a special needs parent. Combine that with monthly guest experts, live self-care accountability sessions with me, and easy, actionable assignments to help you emerge from the hard work, transformed, just as the butterfly from her chrysalis, and you've got Flight Club. Today's conversation with Jess Ronnie covers a lot of ground. From puberty to poopy diapers and the grief of not giving enough to your other children, we explore what it means to be a caregiver versus a mom. Jess Ronnie is an author, speaker, podcast host at Coffee with Caregivers, and the founder and executive director of The Lucas Project. The Lucas Project is a nonprofit dedicated to providing recognition and respite for special needs families. She and her husband, Ryan, live in Michigan with their eight children, including their son, Lucas, who has profound special needs and autism. Her story of beauty from ashes has been shared on the Today Show, Daily Mail, and Huffington Post and is detailed in her memoir, Sunlight Burning at Midnight, and in her new book being released this June, Blended with Grit and Grace. Let's get to it. Hi, Jess. I'm so excited to talk with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So you've just got a lot going on (laughs) normally, but now you've got a lot going on. (laughs) I keep hearing that from people. Apparently I have a lot going on. You just brush it off. You're just like the the Uh, No, yesterday I I boxered my husband. I said, we can't continue on this hamster wheel for much longer. We need, we're both planning on taking a nice long break this summer, but we're recognizing that the anxiety is piling and it's time to decompress a bit. I'm, I can only imagine that it is. So yeah. let's back up a little bit for everyone who's listening. And will you just tell us about your family? Well, I'm the mom to eight children. Uh, we are a blended family. Um, I lost my husband in 2010 and my current husband, Ryan, lost his wife in 2010 as well. Um, we met and were married and adopted each other's kids. When we got married, we had seven kids under seven. So a very busy household. And we thought our hands were full back then, but I would have to say that it was much easier when they were younger. Now we have five teenagers. <laughs> so that's a whole other layer of that is, stuff. That is. <laughs> um, and then we had a baby together uh, because we didn't think we were busy enough. And we don't regret it, um, but she is a handful. She'll be turning six this summer. I also am a mom to a 16-year-old son, Lucas, who has profound special needs and autism. 
and we are in the middle of a move. Um, half of us are still in Tennessee and half of us are in Michigan. We decided to make the move towards friends and family. We just need more support as Lucas is getting older and they have a lot of really good resources here for special needs families, including year-round school, which as most special needs moms know is critical. And we have been without that for seven years in Tennessee and summers have been very intense. Um, in my spare time, I write books, run a nonprofit, uh, host a podcast, and what else do I do? I'm the associate producer of a documentary project. That's about it. You have a lot going on. <laughs> I do, <sister>. yes. <laughs> yeah, and so I actually don't didn't know a whole lot about you or your past because I just kind of ran across you on Instagram. Um, and one day I saw you gave, gave a, just a very heartfelt and emotional talk about, about, you know, how hard sometimes the days are with Lucas. And that's when I reached out to you and said, Hey, I, I do this podcast where I, you know, talk to moms and, and parents of kids with special needs. And we really talk about grief a lot. Mm -hmm. And so one, and you said, Oh, sure. I'd, I'd love to come on. So thank you. Um, and then once I started learning more about you, I'm like, wow, we have a lot in common, <laughs> right? We, we really speak the same language because you also talk a lot about grief and healing and caregiving. And so that's my focus as well. So I'm really excited to meet you and I appreciate you coming on to talk to me. Yeah, so I'd love to know, um, more about your journey with Lucas and, um, you know, like I said, that element of grief and what that looks like, because, you know, you're obviously no stranger to grief, losing your husband with several children. I'm not sure how many were yours to start at that point. And um, versus four, I had four okay. and he had three. Okay, so, yeah. Yep. Okay. So that's, you know, that that's huge. Um, but I know that in our society, um, you know, grief is just hard for people to, to handle and deal with. A lot of people don't know what to say and don't know how to act and they don't understand the, the length of time that is involved in the grieving process, I think often in our society. Um, but then, especially as parents, this element of grief that we carry around our child, um, it's just, no one just understands it. We don't even sometimes understand it or talk about it or identify it. And so, you having kind of lived both of those and lived through now both of those, um, can you explain how they might be different or the same or what your perspective, I'd love to hear your perspective on those two different kinds of grieving. I think for me with Lucas, my grieving occurred when I was told at my 20 week ultrasound appointment that my baby had suffered a stroke in utero and there was very little hope that he would survive. I grieved through that entire pregnancy. By the time I had a baby and he was alive and thriving and I walked out of the hospital with a baby two weeks later, I was rejoicing. Like I had been preparing for a dead baby and here I am going home with my baby. So my grieving in essence, I didn't even care that there were special needs or my baby was alive and that's all I was after. So. I didn't grieve until I think he started to go through puberty. And that's when the aggression and the lifelong care, he's nonverbal, he's incontinent, he needs hands-on care in every aspect of his life. That's when it started to hit me. When you're like no longer changing diapers for a cute little boy, but you're like changing 
a grown man's diaper and this grown man is starting to outweigh you and outpower you. And that's when it was like, oh boy, what does this look like, you know, long-term? Um, and I'm still working through that. Lucas turned 17 this summer. Um, you know, I have a piece that Lucas Luke, and he's taught me and the world so many beautiful things, but there's still always this underlying, like, what does his future look like? What does my future look like? I don't necessarily want to be caring for a 40 year old grown man who sits in my basement watching veggie tales all day long. Like that's not his best life. That's not my best life. So I think a lot of my grief comes from the uncertainty of what our future looks like. Um, just not knowing. And if we find, our goal is to find a residential facility for him at some point in the future that we just feel a complete peace about near our home. And if we find that, I don't think I'll like continue to grieve who Lucas is because I'll have a piece about where he lands. Um, and then in terms of my late husband, that's that's just something that I, I'll kind of always hold in me, but I, I don't dwell on it. I don't wallow in it because I also look at, had he not died, I wouldn't be married to Ryan. And I raised five people in my current life who I love more than the world and everything in it, you know, Ryan and four children and Ryan and I had a baby together. So that I guess justifies what happened for me and it makes it okay. And it gives me a piece about it. Um, and part of me too, like C.S. Lewis says it so beautifully, like that part of my life had reached its proper fulfillment. Like the maker had said, well done. This is as far as this can go, this relationship, this family. And, you know, he took Jason home and I have a piece about that at this point. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I, I yeah, I love those words from C.S. Lewis. So I'm just processing all that you've shared. There's so many pieces that I'd love to go back to. Um, thank you for your honesty about the different kinds of grief and how you hold that. And I love that you obviously um, can find that piece in kind of a knowing, you know, at least if I know that there's a safe and wonderful place for Lucas in the future, that grief will be able to subside that. And, you know, that's a big part of this grief that we carry as special needs parents is this grief over the potential loss. Mm -hmm. And so we have what we're currently doing. And, and I am with you 100% of the way on the whole puberty kind of flipping a switch sort mm -hmm. of a situation. Um, my daughter also has profound autism. She's now 20. So we're just a couple of steps ahead of you. And um, I feel like she's just come out of puberty. So okay. the seven years for her, six or seven years. And um, same thing with the aggression and screaming and um, just unbearable days. Mm -hmm. And so um, that, you know, looking at, is this my life now? My daughter lost all interest in doing things. We couldn't get her to leave the house anymore. She didn't want to go in her ball pit anymore. She didn't want to go in her swing anymore. Just stuff that we, you know, what used to be her activities mm -hmm. ceased and it became just aggression and screaming. And, um, and so the vision that you painted of, you know, your son sitting in your basement as at 40 years old, watching Veggie Tales, you know, that just 
that hits home, like mm-hmm. definitely for me and I'm sure a lot of people listening. And so, um, you know, thank you for that because it's so important for people to understand that grief of, of potential loss that we carry because I think that, you know, it's easy to understand those losses and the, that grief, at, like you said, when you found out that he might not live or that you you know when you when they're born and, and you realize that they have this disability or they get diagnosed at age three or whatever you know those right. moments in the beginning, I think it's easy for people to recognize that we have a, a loss, and that we might be grieving that. But it's it's these things as they grow and they keep hitting and coming, um, and that our our fear of the future. Yeah, um, I think it's definitely the uncertainty, and even as yeah. I'm saying that because. If somebody, somebody were to say to me, okay, this all ends when he's 21. Here's this perfect facility. You'll be done in this caregiving role. He'll have wonderful people to take care of him. I'd be like, oh, okay, four more years. There's an end in sight. Like, okay, I can do this. So Let's can, do this. You're like, I can do that. I yeah, can do I can do years. this. But yeah. yeah, when you're thinking, am I going to be 80 and still, or what happens if something happens to me? what happens to him? Like there's this cloud of grief because of the unknowing. Like, I don't even know that I grieve his, his special needs or his autism. Like that's just who Luke is. And I accept that. And I accept everything that comes along with him, but just not knowing, like, will he be okay? Will there be a place for him? Will this ever end? You know, for me, for me, I also constantly had this, will anybody or who, who will love her so much to want to change a poopy right. diaper of a right. 30 year old woman right yeah yeah like because I don't like to do it <laughs> but I'm his mom so <laughs> I'm about over it so are there people out there who are truly like angels <laughs> who will yeah. do it like yeah, yeah. big yeah. boy poopy I- diapers not fun <laughs> That absolutely. And that, that was a big part of my, um, my worry and fear and stuff. And when, when it all started getting real after puberty Mm -hmm. for me. Yes, me too. So yeah, I totally get that. And, um, you know, there are, there are those angels though. There are those people who, who have such a love and passion for, helping our kids be successful and finding some independence and those kinds of things. Um, You know, I've been blessed to have several of them come into my life and really make me believe and trust and know Mm -hmm. that she'll be okay down the road, that those people do exist. And so I, I offer that to you, that trust, that knowing, that peace and that faith that there really are those people out there who will also ensure that he will be okay as he gets older mm-hmm. too. So you've just moved to Michigan and I live in Michigan. Oh, okay. you do? I didn't know I that. I think we live very far from one another. Okay. Where are you? I'm just outside Grand Rapids. And are okay. you in Grand Holland? Haven? Oh, yep, Holland. Holland. Oh, yeah. Closer. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. We'll have to hang out someday. We will. Definitely. Rapids. I didn't realize you were a Michigander. Yes. Um, not born here, okay. but um, have been here for many, many years. And so it's okay. home. home. Yeah. Um, so later we can talk about, you know, services and, and residential ho- houses. 
<laughs> oh, I've already toured some. All the things. I, I have a that. I have a plan in place that I'm believing I will. I think I probably know your plan. <laughs> really? Okay. I have a plan. I'm just speaking and believing it. Mm -hmm. I'm Hoping it comes to fruition someday. I'm with you on that plan. That's amazing. So what, you know, when, when I saw you on that Instagram post and you were talking about trying to take Lucas to the playground and now he's, he, at the time he was 15 and you talk about now he's like a, he's a growing young man. Mm -hmm. He's getting stronger than you. He's going to, he's getting big. Um, how do you, how do you handle those moments? How do you handle those times where you do grieve the normalcy of having a 15 year old um, boy because you have several other kids so you know what a 15 year old is right <laughs> is doing right is supposed to be um and so how do you handle those those days that are that are super hard and that bring you down i probably work <laughs> it's probably my coping mechanism um and you know i know people are like gosh, you get, you, you have so much on your plate. And I think what people don't understand is when you are a, a special needs mom to a child like Lucas, you're not going a lot of places because it's really difficult. So yes, it may seem like I accomplish a lot, but we're home. I'm not running like all over town doing this and that. And because he's really difficult, especially in this transitional period by myself, you know, we're just home. So and yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think as long as I continue to do good, like in the world of caregivers, it seems like it's, it's all worth it. Like at least I'm using his story and my story to make a little bit of a difference in the world. And I think that's how I grieve. Mm -hmm. That's how I process it all is, well, it's, you know, we started this nonprofit to help caregivers and it's all because of Lucas and so there's meaning attached to the grief. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And so I, I want to talk about that, um, the Lucas Project. So tell us a little bit more about that, because I now really focus on the caregivers, too. And so I was really excited to see that that's what your focus is, because that's pretty rare. Most of the time, the focus is always on the child and the disability exactly. and, and the yes. special needs and that kind of support, which is really needed. Right. Um, you know, I founded and ran uh, a nonprofit as well, focusing okay. though, on, on the child and, and therapy, filling gaps in the system for lack of insurance coverage okay. for certain therapies. And so um, super needed, uh, high, high need. But now I've shifted my focus to on the caregivers. So tell us about the Lucas Project and, and how that started and what exactly it does. Well, our motto is, is the child is only as healthy as the caregiver. And like you said, there are a lot of nonprofits out there that really focus on the children. And in, well, when Lucas was born, I promised him that I would one day start a nonprofit in his honor. And I thought it would have to do with the children. And then in 2017, when we lived out in rural Tennessee, um, the isolation and the exhaustion and Lucas going through puberty led to numerous panic attacks for my husband, which landed him in ER, which led to some PTSD for me, because I'm thinking like, seriously, Lord, you plopped me out here in the middle of nowhere with eight kids. And we're going to do this again, you know, with this husband now. And um, just recognizing that we were desperate for a break. We hadn't taken a break in years. And 
we just needed some respite. And I thought if we're this desperate, there are other caregiving families that are just as desperate. So we launched the Lucas Project and opened a respite center. Um, our mission has since evolved because we keep moving everywhere and we can't like drag these respite centers everywhere we go um, to include providing recognition and respite for caregivers. And under the recognition portion of this, we are creating a documentary uh, called Unseen, which will explore the mental health crisis among caregivers. Mm -hmm. And more information on that can be found at caregiverdoc.com. Um, and then I host a podcast called Coffee with Caregivers, where we just dive honestly and vulnerably into the lives of caregivers and kind of peel back that curtain and expose our lives because I think society is willing to help, but they can't help if we're not honest about the struggles. And, you know, they're not going to just magically appear at our doors, you know, with meals and help if, if we're not starting to talk about, yes, these children are blessings and we love them, but it's also exhausting and isolating to raise these children. And then the respite arm, um, we've had to kind of redefine that in the middle of this COVID craziness. And we provide care packages for special needs mamas, um, spa baskets to moms in ICU with their children. And then we also have respite grants that we provide to communities who are interested in starting their own chapter of respite. And we're in the middle of totally revamping our whole website. And we have some really cool developments coming in terms of respite, um, probably in a month or two, but um, I'm really excited to launch the new website and have people, you know, take a glance at some of the opportunities we have and hopefully just lend a hand to caregivers. That's amazing. And I, I have a question because there, I have discovered that there are two types of kind of respite centers available. One where the children go, you know, can go for a weekend or a day or a night or whatever, um, or a week if the family wants to take vacation. Um, and so it's a, it's a respite center where the kids go away. Mm -hmm. And then recently I've been hearing more about, um, you know, a respite center for the caregivers to go to. And so not providing that care for the child who, you know, so that's still on the family to figure out so that right. parent, parent or parents can go away. So which um, kind of center? Well, the center that we started in rural America um, was to drop off the child along with the siblings. And it was a five hour break because what we've noticed too with a lot of, and they're wonderful, but a lot of people who offer respite like with, within the churches, it's like three hours. And as a special needs family, it's just not enough because it takes so much time to even prep your child, get them to the place. Then you're explaining all of their diagnoses and needs and allergies and medications and everything. So by the time you get out of the door, you've got like an hour and a half, two hours to quick go relax. And then you have to rush back, get your child. How was he or she? blah, 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 go home, still try to incorporate the structure and routine that your child is used to, especially if there's autism in, involved, because that's often how their little brains work. And so you're still falling into bed exhausted because it's just not enough time to decompress. So we don't, true. we yes. don't have a great answer. Um, you know, in here in Michigan, We've considered launching another chapter um, up in the Rockford area, but with COVID and all the liability that's attached 
to offering something like this, it's a lot for an organization to take on. And so we're looking at just alternative ways of offering respite, which might include something like respite bucks, where families can apply for money to go towards hiring their own person for respite. Um, and then, like I said, we have some new developments coming as well. And then just the spa baskets are like to be able to take a little bit of respite right in the comfort of your home. And that's what the care packages offer mm -hmm. as well. But it's hard. Um, it's hard to figure out all the you know logistics mm -hmm. of it. And it's so needed. It's so needed because I said we you know we don't live far from one another, and there's just there's so oh, little. There's, no, nothing. There's like nothing available here. No. I and did, it's so, and you have to pay an astronomical amount to get somebody yeah. to come into your house to take right. care of your child. I mean, we're talking twenty, twenty-five, thirty dollars an hour, mm -hmm. which that's that's a lot of money for most families. Can't afford that? No. Typically, you know, typically we're single-income families because somebody has to take care exactly. of exactly so often, and yep, yeah, it just becomes this vicious cycle. Yep. So that's amazing though that's amazing and i'm so grateful that you're focusing on that issue and, and laser focusing like that's so important as a fellow found, nonprofit right. founder i know there's so much needed you know there's so many things yes. that, that can take your attention and your focus and your your energy and your resources your dollars your donations and so to be able to stay laser focused on your mission and your real you know purpose is so important and so that you know that need for respite is huge and, and so thank you for, for that yeah so that's been running for a handful of years because you said um, it was yeah since 2017 um just not a lot of movement right now um in the middle of this you know covid nothing has a lot of movement right it's now like, you know, we send i have i put together a care package this morning for a special needs mom who's really struggling and that's basically what we've got going on right now mm -hmm. well i'm excited to talk with you further um you know just about your community and now where you're at and help you connect as i've been very indebted and embedded in the special needs community in west michigan for many years so Right. Connect you to who you're not already connected to yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> obviously, I know that you are connecting yourself. <laughs> I have a whole folder called Lucas. That's <laughs> sure. about this thick already. So they, they grow the, those files very quickly. Yes. Yeah. I remember when my daughter was little, before all the doctors went, you know, online and, and carrying iPads into the appointments. Right. Back when we had, you know, actual files at the doctor and they'd have to, you know, start a second one for my daughter. And oh, yeah archives to get her original oh yeah yeah it's just crazy amount yep so talk to us if you would about um your book because you're an author you're already have a book published and you have another one published and but coming out very soon so right. and and uh i and you're, you're near and dear to my heart because i'm writing my memoir currently okay <laughs> so um you have a, you have a memoir published correct i do sunlight burning at midnight and that's sunlight. kind of the beginning of the story you know that's the day i find out about lucas's diagnosis and then it walks the reader through jason's cancer battle for three years and what that looked like and then 
culminates with you know me ending or me meeting my current husband Ryan, and then blended with grit and grace is a continuation of the story. Basically, our seven years in rural Tennessee and what that looked like blending our families out in the middle of nowhere and starting the Lucas Project and. And then there's going to be another book. <laughs> I just signed a contract last week. Um, I saw that on that, Instagram. Yes. Thank you. Very exciting and a little bit nerve wracking, but um, that one will be coming out February, 2023. But I mean, I'm just so happy for you because you're the ones not released yet. Grit and Grace. Is I know that's coming out summer. June 15th. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's available so, for pre-order right now that's so exciting and so awesome. And like, I'm just so happy for you because well, thank you. Mean, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, it is. I mean, it took me about 11 years to get the first one published and people are like, how can I publish my book? Or, you know, it takes a while. So just be faithful and yeah, yeah. keep showing up well, at the writers conferences. And I'm glad you said that because I, I want everybody to understand how oh, yeah. your next one is already oh, on yeah. contract for a third one. That's just so, it's so, right. so happy for you. And so is that going to be a part three or something totally different? Kind of a part three, um, kind of based on marriage and relationships, which is kind of scary because I feel like once you like put your marriage out there, like you better pray a big thick covering of protection over your marriage if yeah. you're like willing to go there. But um I don't know. It's more, it's, I, I write in stories. So it's just stories about what worked for us, what might work for you, what didn't work, you know, the joys and trials and ups and downs. And we've been married for 10 years now. And, you know, statistically with everything we have going on between blended and special needs, our marriage is at an 8% survival rate. So the fact that we're still going strong and still deeply in love 10 years in, you know, maybe we've got something we're sharing with others. That's some good stories that you can Right, share. exactly. That's beautiful. And so what's the plan for him coming in your whole family? I am headed out next week and um, headed to Tennessee. And that's when the big official move is going to occur. So we will all be together under one roof in about two weeks. Okay. Well, you can, you can do it. Yes. <laughs> part of it's part of it's really nice. Like I don't mind having my days to myself and but then yeah, nighttime comes and I don't really like the single parent thing at night where everything falls on me, like to make sure everybody stays safe and healthy and all I'm ready. Things. All the things. Yeah. yeah. It's not my favorite. Yeah. And so the kids are four and four split, four here with you? No, I have three here. Um because we wanted to get well. yep, I have Lucas and he has five there. We're leaving two in Tennessee to go to college. Oh, okay. So um, we'll just be down to six. <laughs> so easy. Easy breezy. Right. <laughs> so Only six. six. Only I think six. it'll feel amazing because sure these two teenage boys, I've been ready to like release them from the nest for a while. It's, I love them dearly, but <laughs> Go it's make time. your own messes in your dorm rooms. Yeah, it's time. Yes, right? it's time. <laughs> you know, there's one thing I, I do want to come back to before we wrap up. And it, it's what you said earlier about, um, you know, as you're looking to the future and not, um, not wanting to be a caregiver forever. And that's something that I've been speaking out about a little bit lately, too. But that's hard. Um, 
to say out loud to a microphone that's going to go out to how many people, right? Yep. <laughs> um, because there's so much judgment yep. in our society. There's so much judgment and so many people won't understand. I mean, you said it and I'm like, I'm with you, sister. Um, I just want to, like, for me, I just want to be her mom. I just want to mm-hmm. be her mom. I don't want to be her caregiver mm-hmm. anymore. And people don't, I think, understand that. And that's kind of another layer of, this, of grief that kind of piles on in the day. You know, I don't want to change those diapers right. all the time anymore. I don't want to have to give her her shower. I don't want to have to wipe her chin um, with food all over it. I just want to come back to that and highlight it because I think so many people won't, uh, won't understand. There's a difference between being a caregiver and being a mom. And by choosing to care for him for the rest of his life, I'm saying no to my seven other children and my husband and, and yourself that's not, and my future grandchildren oh. and myself. And that's not fair. And life is full of choices. And just like I talked about my two teenage boys, like it's time, it's time for them to fly the coop. And there will come a point, I believe, when it will be time for Lucas to also fly the coop. And yeah, life is full of choices. And if I chose to be his caregiver for the rest of his life, and I absolutely will if I have to, but if there is an alternative, we will pursue that alternative because I also want to be very involved for my other seven children and my husband, myself, and whatever grandchildren come along. Yes, absolutely. I am the exact same way. And I, I, you know, I learned that at a young age based on my daughter's story, which is unique, but um, but it's not a, a, a thought process. It's not a belief that is commonly held because it's not something that is talked about. Oh, no. Often. And we have this martyr syndrome. This, where I just got done having a conversation with someone. And I refuse to play into that dialogue because then I'm also being a martyr to my other children who will not yeah. have their mother and they deserve their mother. They have sacrificed a lot of me in their childhood because of Lucas. They've done it joyfully and patiently and gracefully, but there will be a flip at some point when I hope I can give back to them. So I don't really care what other people say. (laughs) They're not living my life. (laughs) I love you. We got it. (laughs) I could get pretty riled up about this. If you want to come over and give me some respite for Luke for a day or two, and then speak into my life. You can maybe have an opinion. (laughs) Exactly. I don't play that game. I love it so much. Oh, you speak my language. So I also thoroughly believe that it's what's best for Lucas. It's what's mm-hmm. best for my daughter. It's what's best for all the kids. Because like you said, they deserve equally the chance to have another chapter in their lives. Yes. They deserve to have that, that quote unquote, going off to college, you right. know, time of their life, whatever that's going to be for right. them. They deserve to have that level of independence and so quick briefly um for anybody who hasn't heard that from me before because it's been talked about a, a couple of times on here through the sibling series when i interviewed my other daughters but we have an apartment attached to our home mm-hmm. that was built originally for my mother-in-law many years ago and then she passed away and it said empty forever because we thought Taylor isn't as high functioning as we had envisioned that she might be able to live over there with some help. And so that's just not going to be part of the plan anymore. And then when she got older, um, when she turned 18, 
she was actually, she's very nonverbal, very profoundly impaired as well, but she was able to communicate with us um, through a, just an amazing moment in speech therapy <laughs> um, that she wanted to move out when she turned 18. She, she was almost 18 and she, we had this whole big long situation and that's what came of it. And it was, you know, I'm crying. The speech therapist is crying. We're all just like, it was this huge right. moment. And, you know, she deserves that. She wanted to have that. And she was able in that one moment to be able to express that to us. And so that, you know, that's huge. And so we thought, you know what, let's try this whole apartment thing. So for the last two years, she's been in the apartment um, attached to our house with caregivers, not 24 seven. That's the goal, but it hasn't right. happened yet. Um, and so we fill in or she comes, hangs out on our couch or whatever, but um, she absolutely loves it. And it has been a game changer for every person in our house. And we have a similar backup, backup, backup plan in place as well. Just yeah. You, and, and our long-term goal is, you know, to, for her to move out completely. Yeah you know, find a group home, or, right. you know, what's appropriate. Um, but for now, I'm so grateful that we had that. And it's a baby step for yeah. us because it's a release of some of that control over her every single right. move. And I didn't, you know, that's not something that I thought about when we were, you know, going to make it happen. It, I, that was an after effect that I realized that was super helpful. Right. That we didn't see ahead of time, but um, it's been an amazing experience. It's so different from my other children. Like you were saying, they deserve to have me. They right. deserve to have, you know, to, to be able to just go get ice cream or just go. Oh, yeah. Oh, things that we that's can't not do. an easy task. No, I don't have a lot of mom guilt when it comes to Lucas because I poured my life into him. I do have a lot of mom guilt when it comes to my other kids because they do tend to sacrifice because of Lucas. They gain a lot too because Lucas is their brother, yeah. but there are sacrifices and that's just their story. It's their life, but I would like to, I guess, make that up to them at some point. I totally get it. I relate. Thank you so much. So you have a podcast. Tell us again the I name too. of it. Coffee with Caregivers. And I'll have to have you on my podcast. Love that. <laughs> Although I'm taking a break this summer. So oh my. <laughs> okay, good. I'll reach out next fall. Yep. Fantastic. Well, then we can just go to the beach together this summer. That sounds wonderful. Podcast later in the fall. Yep. Um, so where else can we find you? Justplusthemess.com. Um, I hang out on Facebook a lot. Justplusthemess and Instagram. And um, thelucasproject.org or caregiverdoc.com for the documentary. Yeah, I, I kind of forgot about that. You mentioned it, but yeah. So you're you're making a movie. I'm. We are. I am being filmed. It's so fancy and exciting. I'm super proud of this. That's amazing. Creation. It's going to be life changing. I think for caregivers. caregivers. It's a deep. Yeah, it's a deep dive into the mental health struggles of caregivers and portraying their stories very honestly and vulnerably. And like I said in the beginning, if society doesn't know it's society's not going to change. So oh, it's, that really it's hits time to let society know what our lives look like. That's huge. That's huge. It's Yeah. It's, I have full body chills. That's really hitting a truth for me. Um, the importance of you getting that message out mm -hmm. that it's going to be amazing. So what's the timeline for, for that? 
The producer says this fall. I think that's really ambitious. Um, okay. <laughs> we have a, a really cool trailer out and tons of information on the website. And I mean, that'd be awesome. The filming is almost complete. Um, the first edition is about our family and just kind of our story, you know, for the search for support and resources and moving constantly with 10 people and this unicorn idea. Well, there's got to be resources here. There's got to be resources here. And there isn't <laughs> like there's nothing in so many places. And I do think Michigan will be a step in the right direction for our family. But just the fact that we have to constantly chase these down and move just it's exhausting it's exhausting and start our li lives all over again like that's a bunch that's a bunch of paperwork <laughs> just that alone it's a bunch of calls it's a, yeah a bunch of everything so but it's it's worth it if it can you know that's how i tick if if my story can help change the world a little bit then i'll gladly share it with the, with the world so that's amazing i'm gonna for our listeners i'm gonna have all the links and all the things on how to find just plus the mess um mm -hmm. on the show notes so check those out you can find her all over social media check out the documentary her book is coming out in june so make sure it's already on pre-order so definitely check that out and pre-order in yeah i have a bunch of goodies on my website as well if you pre-order a bunch of freebies so Go check that out. Absolutely. All right. So justplusthemess.com was your website? Yes. Okay. And then there's a little tab that says Blended yeah. with Grit and Grace. Click yeah. on it and it will direct you to all the freebies. Okay. Well, I'm going to go click that. Thank you. Good. <laughs> Have a super day. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being here. If you want to learn more about how to take care of yourself along your parenting journey, or how you can better support those special needs parents in your life, you can follow me on social media, Lara Kitts on Facebook and at Lara.Kitts on Instagram. And that is spelled L-A-R-A-K-I-T-T-S. I also have a blog on my website that's worth subscribing to. Check it out at LaraKitts.com. Until next time, Take care of yourself.